I'm Julie. And I'm Val. And we are both experts in imperfect parenting. Between the two of us, we have four kids between the ages of two and nine. We've seen it all. Hopefully. Join us as we drink, laugh, and share the most ridiculous situations our kids have gotten into. Are you ready? Yep. Here we go. Hey, Val. Hey, Julie. How's it going? Great. How's it going with you? I'm excited. Yes. I'm so excited. (laughs) Nobody else knows why we're excited. We're so excited. Before I say why we're excited, I wanted to tell you that I texted my mom today because I was like a little nervous. You know, (laughs) nervous. I actually had an anxiety dream last night. (laughs) So So I texted my mom for like a little moral support. I was like, guess who we're interviewing tonight? Do you want to know who she thought we were interviewing tonight? Yes, I cannot wait. Ilaria Baldwin. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh, in my dreams. But then wait, she actually got the person on the second guest. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, I did. I led in with she hosts a true crime podcast after that. <laughs> so she, okay. All right. she got it on the second guest. Pretty good. So Val, do you want to say who we're interviewing tonight? We are interviewing Alice from The Prosecutors. Oh my gosh, I know. And I know from chatting with her that she will be laughing and blushing that we're fangirling over her, which we so obviously are. So we're going to head into that interview right now. Before we do that, we would love it if you guys would rate, review, subscribe, all of those things. If you want to chat with us, Come join Mom Chats on Facebook, and here's your interview. Hi, Alice. Thank you for being here. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I can't tell you how excited I am to be talking to you guys because I can already tell we have a lot in common. I love that. Alice, I'm going to embarrass you now by reading your bio. Alice is a native Texan, a graduate of Yale Law School. In another life, she was a dancer, but now the courtroom is her stage. When she's not prosecuting, she's hanging with her husband and wrangling her two adorable children. So if you guys don't know Alice, Alice is one of the co-hosts of The Prosecutors and Legal Briefs. But I did just realize, I was like, oh no, your bio, it seems up to date, but you did just switch jobs, right? I just switched jobs. So I've been a prosecutor and like a month and a half ago, I left prosecuting and I left federal service. I I left a public service for the first time in a decade and joined the private sector. And it has been really great. I know most people don't like become a mom of young children and decide to go into the private sector, but it's been a really fun transition because those of you who prosecute know that it is a 24 hour a day job um, and it weighs on you. And it's been kind of nice to actually be able to put aside my work at night and enjoy dinner with my kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So it's less time consuming and stressful. It really is in a lot of ways. I mean, I think, you know, we say this a lot on our podcast, too. I think prosecutors should be stressed about the work they do, because it's one of the weightiest things you can do, uh, which is to potentially take away someone's constitutional rights. And so I really, you know, I was one of those people who thought about my cases at night. I thought about it first thing in the morning. I never was not thinking about it. And it's incredibly worthy, but I also think it can be very wearing over time. And you'll hear that from like very seasoned 
prosecutors who've done it their entire careers, how wearing it is. But again, I think it is a, it's a blessing and a curse. Do you also feel that, I know we discussed a little bit before we got on, that you it's almost like a safety issue as well. Like, do you feel more comfortable with that now being a mom and being in private sector? So I, I joked with them that, you know, some people are like, oh, why don't you put your full name on the internet? And I'm like, well, first of all, even if you're not a prosecutor, there are a lot of weird people out there yes. who want to know where you live, as I'm sure you guys know. But like truly being a prosecutor in in your neighborhood, really, right? Because you prosecute local crimes. The local jails, like my name is etched into the bunks where they sleep overnight before going to court. Like that is a real thing. And um, those of you who can't see me, like I'm a little bit distinctive. A lot of prosecutors all look the same. They tend to be like middle-aged men. <laughs> I am not that. <laughs> and I live in a small community and it literally is easy to pick me out in a crowd. I've had people who've been witnesses in cases, jury members, pick me out like at the grocery store and say, I know you. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> and, I mean, it, it's great. You know, it's wonderful. You are a figure in your community, but with it obviously comes certain risks. So I think I've already done my quote unquote damage because I still live in the same neighborhood and people still know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> And now you're out. So what's done is done. There you go. <laughs> so one of the reasons we reached out to you in particular was because, you know, you're a lawyer, you have an incredibly successful podcast, you have young children, and it's sort of that whole trope of like, oh, these moms, they can do everything. They're superheroes. So we were, you know, we want to know a little bit about how you balance it all. But I also want to know, does that idea of like the mom as the superhero does that drive you crazy or do you like embrace it well first of all that's so nice of you to say because you know I, I joke all the time that I do lots of things very poorly I do none <laughs> of them well but you know I think it's a disservice to all moms who are trying to do their best moms lawyers you know women in the professional field if you pretend like it's easy <laughs> you know we we yes. try to be very real about it and we're like yeah I'm a lawyer and a mom of like crazy children, because my kids are like super active and doing a podcast after kids go to bed. But like, do not be under any impressions that's easy. You know, I employ so many people to help me on so many things. And also, I don't go to bed before 1 or 2 a.m. That's not sustainable. I will probably yeah. die young and it's okay. <laughs> But but I think that's number one is to recognize like the superhero thing. It's it's not real. And everyone mm -hmm. is just trying their best to do all the things before them well. And there are seasons of life. You know, I started this podcast with my co-host, Brett, literally when I had a newborn because I was on maternity leave and I was awake at 2 a.m. So I'm like, well, if I'm awake and I can't go to sleep because my baby won't go to sleep, might as well research some cases. So it it, it just worked out that way that when you feel like you have no time, you just start to fit it in. And it made me feel like I had something else other than at that time, it was full-time mom because I was on maternity leave. It was nice to actually have an outlet and talk to my best friend about yeah. true crime, which wasn't my life. <laughs> um, but I think you guys probably know this very well. I think if you're going to be able to do lots of things, especially when you're in a stage of life where career and family are busy, everything that you do has to be something that you're passionate about. If it's not something you care about, it's just not worth it. You know, there are too many costs to it at this stage in life. And so we talk about that too. Talk about how I'm really lucky I'm still a lawyer because it's not a given. A lot of people leave the legal field, men and women, because it's 
it's a really tough field to stay in. I've been lucky enough to kind of keep having jobs that are really fulfilling. And same with the podcast. We, you know, Brett and I talk all the time. We're like, the second this feels like work, we should stop because this was supposed to be yes. an outlet. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. And it comes out on, on your podcast, but it does just seem like you guys have a great time together and you are both so knowledgeable in whatever topic it is you guys are discussing and it, it, it comes out. And I, that's why you guys are so successful. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not work. <laughs> but thank you for saying that though. <laughs> it's so true though, that like when your time is limited as it is for most moms, you don't want to spend it on things that aren't going to make you happy or, you know, fill your cup in some way. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing, and I, I, I sounds like just in the the little bit of time we've had together, you, you include the people you love in it, you know, like mm -hmm. even though yeah. Brett and I are on it, we are actually on a continuous text chain with our spouses who feed us ideas and they make fun of us. Like they'll be listening to the podcast and simultaneously making fun of us. <laughs> They're usually listening on the other side of the door and making fun of us in real time, <laughs> you know, and it just makes it so fun to like, yeah have an additional thing where it's not just your thing, but you actually get to bring people you love into it. Oh my gosh. I love that. One of the reasons we started this podcast is because I live, we went to college together. We were sorority sisters <laughs> and but then my husband and I moved about six hours away. So I say I like make her talk. like, this is our date. She has That's to be Yep. <laughs> And I, I honestly feel like we're closer now than we even were when you were here because we make this time for each other every, you know, every couple of weeks, every two weeks. So I, I, I feel like it's really even strengthened our, our friendship the way I, you're saying with Brett too. Yeah, that's great. So you get kind of this multiple benefit. You would have talked yeah. to each other anyways, exactly. and you get to have a cool podcast yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I mean, we still send each other memes all day. <laughs> all day. <laughs> that's how we communicate too. Yeah. Alice, what's a typical day look like for you? I know you already said you don't go to bed till like 1 a.m., which is like making me yawn right now. That, just I don't recommend it. Like no one should do that. <laughs> no, I, I do the same thing. I But I, I it's not even if, even if I'm not doing something productive, like if I've had a day and I just need to zone out like by myself, like I'll just make the time by staying up until 1 a.m. I definitely <laughs> watch a lot of like, Christmas Hallmark movies by myself at midnight because my husband's like, I don't want to watch this. I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. Well, here's my time to watch it. <laughs> That's right. So there isn't a typical day, but like, I guess the best typical day, I'll just walk through my day today. Right now with my new job, I do get to work from home, but I'm on camera all the time. So even though, so I, I would say I'm business on top and like a lot of sweats <laughs> on the bottom. <laughs> But I usually get my, you know, my kids, I try to keep them in their beds with their okay to wait clock. Best invention for me as a parent, they don't always listen to it, but man, <laughs> that clock is like, you know, they're, they're dictator, which is great because they wake up super early, but I don't let them out of their rooms till about 630. And so it's usually an, I know still early, it's usually like an hour of like naked kids running around as I try to put clothes on them. We feed them. And then I still really like to drop my kids off at school because I think you just get those good conversations in the car. Yep. So I drop a kid off at school and then I come home and I'm usually 
working from like eight until I have a nanny and until six. So I work from eight to six, like almost no breaks in between, um, which is, which is a little exhausting, but also like I try to do that so that I can spend dinner with my kids every night. And it's usually around six o'clock. I'm literally like pressing send on an email and I like (laughs) skid out of my, you know, office and run in and say, thank you so much. Let my nanny go. And then sit down with my kids for dinner. And it usually it is not like a, a beautiful gourmet cooked dinner. It is like whatever can get in their bellies in time. Yeah. And then I try to be able to put them to bed. And then usually after bedtime, I work for another hour or two. And then Brett and I record for about another, another hour. And oftentimes if I have a due date, like I have a brief due, I work after we record. And that's when I stay up to one or so. Not every day, but I would say that's more often than not. And I'm <laughs> saying that to be realistic. To people yeah. who are like, you don't have to choose that life, <laughs> you know, like that <laughs> it is a choice and um, there are costs to being able to do multiple things. So that, that is just as realistic as I can be, yeah. but I will have to say, I also have like amazing girlfriends like you guys, you know, you guys have each other and I try to carve out times for, you know, zoom sessions with friends and I have a standing lunch with a friend and like, no matter what, the two of us do everything we can to clear our schedules to see each other for lunch, uh, even if it's hard. That's so important because I feel like when my kids were your guys's kids age, I didn't do that nearly enough. So like kudos that you're doing it when they're still little, because it's so easy to just like not want to like go back out or you know what I mean? Like, it's so easy to have an excuse not to. Oh yeah. I, I don't go out very often though. I do love my sweats. I just love my sweats. Wait, so tiebreaker here because me and Val argue about this all the time. What is a normal time for school to start? Oh my gosh. I don't want to be the wrong side of this debate. Like, okay, for me, I if I were left to my own devices and had no children, I could sleep till noon. Like I am a teenager at heart when it comes to sleep schedules. Oh, yeah. And so the later, the better, but as a parent, I want my kids out of the house as soon as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like a healthy balance, you know, like my kids are early risers and maybe, maybe when those like teenage hormones kick in in a few years, they'll like sleep past 530. But right now if they're up at 530, I want them out of the house by seven. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> this just, for some reason, it comes up all the time when we're talking because Val's son's bus doesn't even come till 9 30. And I think that is bananas. What? It is. what is, why? It, it, it comes, it actually, it's 9 20 and their school uh-huh. starts at 9 30. And it's like oh. outrageous. Like, Brit, my husband, he is able to, to, maneuver his schedule so that he can get him on the bus most days but if I have to get him on the bus I'm 45 minutes late for work of course like most people (laughs) right right exactly and like I don't I don't really get it we live very close to the school so that's why he doesn't get on the bus that early but at the same time that's late I mean, pretty late. late to start. I've been telling you this for a year. I know. Like, <laughs> okay. Why? Why? That, that's one of the later start times I've ever heard of. Yeah. Okay. And like, he'll be like, this is his, his, he's in first grade now and he'll be in the school all the way up until fifth. So I have five oh, more years no. of that. Yeah, at least. I think the next grade is like, I think six through eight is a little bit earlier, but Man. that we're even closer to that school so Did I they at know. least put your kids to bed for you or something that's rough luckily he's not neither of my kids are early risers I think that I like mentally 
put that into their brain. Like, do not do this to me. Like, I'm not going to be friendly with you at six in the morning. So yeah, your kids need to give my kids some advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's the one thing that I like. I, I don't think I could have gotten through it as a parent. My son, he didn't sleep through the night until he was two years old. Oh, it was no. awful. So like for him, so at least like, even though he was waking up, he would still sleep till like eight or so. Yeah. Like, you need that. If you're going to be waking me up yeah. all night long. And then my, <laughs> yeah. And then my daughter kind of just fell right into the same pattern, like of, of sleeping through the night, but, but getting up at eight. Right. Eight oh. o'clock sounds like luxurious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I bet. I bet. I'm not trying to rub it in your face. I swear. No, 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 no. I, I only rejoice with others when they have <laughs> sleep that I don't. <laughs> But the, like you're saying, I'm, I'm up late all the time too. So it's like, it helps that they at least give yes. me that, especially on weekends. Absolutely. And I'm always telling you, Val, it comes quick. They're going to start getting up. They know how to turn on the TV themselves and pour their own cereal. And like, it's a new life. Oh, I can't wait. That sounds just, awesome. Like, right. You can't even see that in the distance. Can you know? I know. <laughs> Not even it a little bit. It happens like this. It happens overnight <laughs> one day. I can't wait. So you mentioned a little bit about how you started the podcast when you were on maternity leave. What was it like for you going back to work after having a baby? That's a great question. So I have two kids and I was working with both kids and had to have the experience of going back with both. It was hard. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you guys are the superhumans, but like my brain without sleep and honestly, postpartum hormones can't function at the quick levels that it was before. And I remember with both kids, I jumped in on like emergency types of cases. Like I had to write a brief, I remember, on like a really complex constitutional issue in 24 hours. And I was like, ah, the words don't even make sense. Like I need my hands. <laughs> like I couldn't literally like couldn't function as a human being. And I was like, is this how people type? Like <laughs> And it was like, it wasn't so much the emotional side. It was like the mental side. Everything felt foggy. And I felt like I was trying to swim through my own brain and be like, come on, brain, you know how to read. (laughs) Um, Partly, I think, because it was so hard intellectually, I didn't have time to dwell on like the, oh my goodness, my baby's so small, I have to leave him behind. Because I know that has to be hard. I just don't remember it, to be honest, (laughs) because I was like... Look awake, look awake, <laughs> smile and nod like a normal human being. Listen, like <laughs> I had to like tell myself. Down on your yeah, I don't know about you guys. I had to like remind myself of like social cues. Like they said hello, say hello back. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't easy. I mean, both times I left my kids, you know, with other people caring for them, and both times I went back, you know, within three months. And like I look back down, like gosh, they were so like teeny tiny. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, I'm glad that I had people I trusted that Mm -hmm. I could leave them with, but I I don't know about you guys, but like, boy, the pumping stories I have, like I've (laughs) pumped on Amtrak. I have pumped in so many public bathrooms. Like it's disgusting the way, the places I've pumped and the people who walked in on me pumping, right? (laughs) For, For me, like you have to, that's a whole other level of, you know, existing in social life also working at like the intellectual levels you were working at before and then fitting in like your pumping schedule with like meetings so that your dear sweet male coworkers aren't totally freaked out by what's happening. Um, Um, Yes, God forbid they see that. Know that it's a thing that even needs to happen. (laughs) Exactly. But I say all that because like it's hilarious once you've gone through it. 
But if you're in the midst of this and you're listening to it, oh, oh. my gosh, like you, you are superhuman, you know, mm-hmm. anyone who's like trying to balance all that is a superhuman because the mental energy it takes to kind of juggle it, take care of yourself. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Like, man, having a baby is like, no joke. <laughs> the plan <laughs> Not for the week. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. The, the amount of planning it takes in your head to get all the things done for yourself, for your work, for your kids oh in, a, in a single day is just, it, it's unreal. It I really is. I completely forgot what it was even like to have to pack a diaper bag. I'm just yes. like remembering that right yes. now. You want to make sure everything's in there. Like, what if you forget one of the parts to your pump? Like, you're yes. like Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. I have pumped into a plastic bottle before because I forgot, like, the bottles to attach. I mean, you know, you just get yeah. really ingenious about things. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I mean. So before we started, you definitely asked me if anything was going to be off limits. And I think I just blew that out of the water. So sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> Nothing. That's fine. That's Love fine it. here. Trust me. <laughs> Is there anything your kids have done lately or have been doing that made you just like laugh or shake your head or think like, what is happening? <laughs> How is this Every really? day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No. So my, I mean, I have two boys and they are just like so joyful and so crazy so they like literally jump off every piece of furniture in my house my refrigerator my couches like they climb on top of the tv and jump off and like you know we have friends who are doctors who come by and they're like i'm, not, I'm always like is this normal like, is okay? <laughs> and they're like i mean like don't let the cops see you let them do that but you know yeah that's what that's what yeah, kids do so so they they really do do that all the time and they hurt themselves all the time. Right? All the time. I literally just leave ice packs in their bedrooms for them. They're not cold anymore, but you know, it's like psychological. And I'm like, <laughs> if, I, if I hear a thud and I hear crying, I speak to them like through a monitor and I'm like, I sit, I sit, you got it. <laughs> I have one, my one son is like the most cautious ever. And then the second one came along <laughs> and he's been to the ER like four times. Like, <laughs> That second one is a psycho. Oh, no fear. No they fear whatsoever. Wild. Yeah. Oh, I mean, literally tonight. I mean, this is sorry if this is not a poop humor um podcast, but like oh, my, my, they're good. My <laughs> second one is like inhibitions out the window, right? Like he's potty trained. Um, <laughs> but like if he chooses to be. And so when he gets really mad at me, he uses all the tools at his disposal. And the best tool he has is to look me in the eye like a serial killer, <laughs> squat down, and poop on my floor. And this has happened so many times, including tonight. And I feel so debased as a human being. I'm like, I mean, you win. You win. You win. You're the parent. You win. You know? So I don't know if that's People just my kid. People respect you. People respect you. And this is what you're dealing with at home. Oh, every day. There's so much poop in my life. So much poop, and it doesn't. That doesn't end. So many butts to wipe. So <laughs> many. Really it's never ending. <laughs> here's here's a very important question. What snack do you hide from your kids, and where do you hide to eat it? Okay, I'm that terrible, annoying parent whose kids don't eat processed sugar, but I do. <laughs> so I stole all their Halloween candy, every piece. They didn't get to keep a single piece, and. I uh, I hide it in the washing machine because they don't go there. <laughs> no one's doing laundry but me. 
that's where I had to eat it so in smart. the laundry room. But don't turn it on. Don't turn it on with it in there. I was there just gonna say, that. oh my gosh, that would be a mess. Don't do that. So yeah, that I I eat a lot of candy, which is really hypocritical. <laughs> So you really have to have a good hiding spot for it. Like you're telling them that for sure. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. They don't, they're never not old enough it. to listen to podcasts. So okay. yeah, they won't, we won't tell them, I promise. <laughs> good, good. So do you mind if we switch a little bit from like momming, parenting to true crime? Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> so do you have sort of like a theory on how true crime got so big, particularly with like mom culture? That's a great question. And I'm sure there are people who are way more qualified to speak about this, who've actually <laughs> studied it. So my views are, are just that. It's me sitting at home watching a lot of true crime documentaries. I, I don't know. I, I, I pulled this also from my time as a prosecutor. I think us moms, we've joked a lot about this. I really do think we are superheroes. I think we are wired to notice and care for everything around us, not just our children and our immediately immediate families, but our coworkers and kind of our greater community, right? If you go to like neighborhood watch meetings, it's a lot of women. It's not just because they have time. I think women are wired relationally so that we notice when things are amiss. And we also seek to understand and solve problems around us because that's what we do for our families, right? Like kid has a problem. We want to fix it. We don't just be like, Mm, sucks for you right which honestly a lot of times my husband does that and it's okay but we have different strengths and so with all that I think true crime really brings out the chaos that exists in our society we all know this we have to live in suspended disbelief to some degree to exist in our world right there's a lot of just insane things we cannot control in this world and if you don't suspend that belief at some point you go crazy, right? Because it's too much to accept the chaos in the world. Yes. But true crime allows us to basically piecemeal, deal with pieces of chaos that exist in our society, in our world that we live in, in a way that's manageable, I think psychologically and emotionally and packages it in a way where we can look at it discreetly without being like, okay, these kids were abducted and murdered. All kids will be abducted and murdered. You know, that's too much to deal with. And you don't, you can't actually process or figure out how to move about in your life to live in a world where that does exist. But you can take this true crime story and you know, analyze the facts in that case, the psychology in that case, who are the suspects in that case? Like, how can I seek to understand this set of facts so that I can then extrapolate some order into my life? And I think that moms slash women are really wired for that because of the relational aspect. So I think it's a way for all of us to make sense of a really chaotic world we live in. But that's just me. <laughs> such a good answer that was beautifully said and 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 so accurate like I, everything you're saying I was like yes 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 <laughs> yeah yeah and I feel like it brings us to our next question we were we were just talking about how does that affect your your mental state does it ever get to be too much you have these two young children and you're reading and reporting and 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 defending all of these you you just know so much about it constantly does it ever get to be too much for you that you just need like to take a step back and cry or like listen to some really peaceful Britney Spears? <laughs> peaceful Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think we're human, you know, yeah. I, it would be a lie to say it doesn't. But I think it helps when I'm in the role of prosecutor woman, when I'm in the role of lawyer, 
I am able to compartmentalize in a way that I'm not completely able to do when we do our podcast. And the reason is when I'm in my professional role, I know I have to have that barrier up emotionally because I, I'm the one seeking justice. Like if I lose it, these victims don't get any sort of justice. And the law is depending on me to be a professional in those instances. And it's almost like out of necessity, I am able to view horrendous child abuse photos, child pornography, things like that, that really can mess with you. But when I, when I do that, I'm like, okay, I can't lose it because literally if I don't do this, who will in order to vindicate victims? Now switch over to the podcast world when we're talking about, it's different because I'm not a prosecutor in the podcast world. I'm looking at the facts as a prosecutor, but I actually have no power within those cases, right? I'm not the prosecuting attorney in those cases. And I think that change makes it more difficult to build up the emotional barrier. And so I will tell you, after we did the John Bonet Ramsey series, because it was a really long series, it took us yeah. months to record. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously a horrendous case. And we looked at autopsy photos. We looked at, you know, everything involved in that case in terms of the case file. And after we did John Bonet, both of us, because we both have small kids, we were like, we need to step away from like child murder cases for a little bit mm -hmm. because we were both mm -hmm. having nightmares, you know, I'm sure. uh, about cool. it. But I think for me, it's that the difference in one of those situations, I can do something about it. In the other one, I'm more the observer. And that's kind of when the chaos starts seeping in. And, you know, I actually don't consume that much true crime outside of it's already a lot, obviously, my job. Right. And then like researching for the podcast and doing the podcast. But since we've done the podcast, I've definitely consumed less true crime novels and documentaries because it's like you get your fill and you're like, you know yeah. what? I need to go watch some comedy now. That's enough. Yeah. Right. Put on your you like summer house as your palate cleanser. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> so are there any particular specific cases that you've covered that you've changed your opinion on now that you're a mom like you look at it differently that oh, that's a good question so I don't know about on the podcast because because that that were the outsider but I will say since becoming a parent I do realize the power of seeing the arc of a criminal history right like I, I don't I don't think I am not one of those people who's like sending everyone to jail quite the opposite like before every sentencing that I had, even if I was asking for like a month in jail, it weighed on me heavily because I recognized that wasn't just the person who was losing their constitutional liberties, but it was any kids they have, any family they have depending on them, their parents who like are devastated that their child has done, you know, even if it was a horrendous crime. I recognize the ripple effects it has on all these people. But now that I'm a parent, I begin to recognize that there are these signs that go overarching throughout history in in a person's trajectory. And I'm more a because of like a decade of doing this, I, I have seen the trajectory of a lot of criminal histories, like where it goes. And we talk about this with our serial killers, for example, like most people don't become serial killers overnight. Usually there are signs that lead up to it. And so in the past, I may have been like, well, I don't know if we should... It, it, how much we should factor in everything, you know, everyone can turn over a new leaf every day. And I've seen the levels of recidivism and the people who are hurt because of that, that, and they usually, those who are hurt, who get out 
are going to be the children surrounding that person because children are just more vulnerable. And I've seen enough like kids being abused and murdered, honestly, in my experience that it has made me realize like I have to be in a position as a prosecutor to see those signs, not just for that defendant, but for the people he may hurt in the future. And that's weighed more heavily on me, mm -hmm. um, recognizing my role in like protector for unnamed potential victims in the future who hopefully will never become victims. Wow. That's, that's a lot to take in. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, uh, nah, it's just, uh, I, I'm amazed by you that you can, you can really put these words to, I guess what we kind of, the ideas that we have that we really couldn't say that out loud. And that was really, really <laughs> no, I'm much here nice. thinking, like, how are you this <laughs> articulate at like 940 and <laughs> Because I'm talking like, to adults instead of children. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was such a good answer, though. Yeah. One thing about your podcast, though, is that a couple of the cases that you guys have covered over longer periods of time, like Jean Benet and Kaylee Anthony, I feel like listening to you guys talk about it as parents, because there were a couple things you guys brought up in those where I was like, oh, and it changed my opinion <laughs> now, because like, I was like, oh, like now that I am a parent. I think you're right. Both of those, those shows, definitely both of them we had nightmares about afterwards. And I think it's because of the experience of being a parent and seeing those cases. And both of those cases I grew up on, you know, I wasn't a parent when they happened. Right, right. exactly. Right. And I yeah. now look at the cases as a parent and I'm like, well, dang. Yeah. <laughs> that right. kind of changes exactly. some things. Exactly. Wow. Just kind of spin off a little bit. We were, I was in the office. In my, we, I have an office and we, it's just me, myself and one other person that works there. So last week uh, it was just me. So I like binged on all the true crime. It was, it was um, you guys, it was uh, big bad true crime and like sinister hoods a little lighter than 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 you guys but like i was just for four days straight i oh, wow. have been in such a bad mental place since then <laughs> you know i really have and i and to your point it just it, it it can if you can't disassociate it really brings you to a bad place and i like my husband was like I was freaking out all weekend long. I'm like checking mm -hmm. the lock doors I'm like checking the kids every night like four times a night it, it, I he's like you it's time you gotta take it <laughs> so I, like, I saw a new, new episode come out from you guys new episode from from big man I was like I can't do it right now yeah yeah I totally <laughs> I need, understand <laughs> I need a break <laughs> but yeah. I still love it but one day I will get back yes it doesn't take such a big toll as a parent I mean yeah. I had to take a true crime cleanse after I binged true crime bullshit. That was heavy. And I yeah, I don't think yeah. I listened to any true crime for like a month after that, like none at all. No, no I, I, I actually, there's periods of time where I have to stop listening to our own show because I'm like, too much, too much true crime. Like, this is too sad. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whew. Like I said, little Britney break. <laughs> little Britney break. <laughs> I'll be back at it. <laughs> That's right. So, Alice, if there was one case that you guys have covered on your podcast that you could have the answer to, what would it be? I mean, I've said this before, and we might get, you know, our wish granted. It's Delphi. It's I obviously Delphi. Delphi. I, I, 
could see, I mean, I could see it in your face as soon as you were starting to say it. Knew it's it, just, I don't know if it's that it's close to home in terms mm-hmm. of like, I grew up going down to the creek with my friends, you know, <laughs> like my kids, I would absolutely let them go walk outside. Mm-hmm. And like the idea that these two preteen girls can just go on a nature walk in the middle of the day in broad daylight and be brutally murdered yeah. after being smart enough to capture their killer. I think I mean, all of those the things. The wildest part was with all of the technology of today yeah. that they could like triangulate whose cell phones were there and it still went unsolved for like six years. Yeah. I, I think all of that. I think talking about, you know, my, my theory as to why moms, women really love true crime. I think that one blew the whole we can compartmentalize this mm-hmm. out of the water right. i was like nope our world's crazy no one yeah. can step outside like no one's ever going on a hike again <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah my kids are never leaving my house exactly <laughs> yeah, that's it <laughs> i think i started listening to the prosecutors way back when you guys covered mara mary and i think that's oh. my number one i need that i is need me. answers <laughs> i don't yeah. know that I, I mean we go back and forth like our theories at the end like we, we switch back and forth all the time. Like sometimes I'll take Brett's, Brett's theory after all and he'll take mine and talk about it all the time. We, I, it's completely mind boggling. It is. Yeah. It is. I like to think with that one that she's just created a new life for herself and she's very happy somewhere. That's where I go with exactly. that Exactly. If, if yeah. we haven't found her body, let's just assume that's the case. That's I know. Exactly. I know, but yeah, that's one where like, <laughs> it'll pop in my mind out of nowhere. And then every time I think about it, I think it's, that like a different scenario I know, I know. especially because just so many erratic things happen which could and we say this all the time on the podcast too if she hadn't disappeared no one would care you know mm-hmm. no one would care that she ate an entire pizza by herself the days before <laughs> who cares like I've eaten an entire pizza by myself before like guilty but no like nobody deal. cares because I'm not disappeared right you know? right, right. <laughs> Now this has been really, really wonderful. I think this is like our best episode of the season. People are gonna love this. That's a lot of pressure. Thank you guys for having me. I'm serious. I love that your friendship has brought this podcast together. I think all of us need a little levity and a little real talk, and you guys yeah. bring that. So I'm so glad that you guys oh, are in this you. space. Wonderful, wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much, Ella. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Whose Kid Is That? We so appreciate you commiserating with us. Just a friendly reminder that we are clearly not parenting experts and you should absolutely take any and all advice we give with a grain of salt. If your kids do this crazy, ridiculous, obnoxious stuff too, just know you are not alone. Come hang out with us on Facebook and Instagram at the.basic.moms or join our Facebook group, Mom Chat by The Basic Moms. If you've got a story you'd like to share with us, send us an email at thebasicmomsmedia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear it. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Gently. And subscribe so that you know exactly when each new episode is released. Until next time, whose kid is that? It's mine. I'm sorry.